Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Happy day after election. Not that happy. I mean, super happy in Colorado with Prop HH going down and, and the good guys winning the school board races in Denver. All the good guys lost school board races in Douglas County and Jefferson County and Cherry Creek School District and all that. And then nationally, it was a very difficult day for Republicans, too. Don't care that much because I'm not a Republican, but still interesting to see what happened in Virginia. And, and the, I actually talked about this briefly in the last segment, the fact that uh, the Democrats took back the state house and increased their majority in the state Senate uh, is, is a big problem for Glenn Youngkin's potential future presidential aspirations. So we're going to stick with politics, but change gears quite a lot. I am joined in studio uh, by Joe Cunningham, who was a Democrat representing South Carolina's first congressional district. And we were talking before we got on the air, kind of remarkable that he won that seat because it, it's a very Republican leaning district. But Joe is now national director of No Labels. And you probably heard about No Labels. We've talked about it a little bit on the show. But since you're here, I don't need to describe no labels. I'll let you do it. And and thanks for joining me in studio. So what is no labels? Ross, good to be here and uh, good to be visiting from, from Charleston, South Carolina. Uh, no Labels is a C4. It's a nonprofit uh, that was started about a dozen years ago. And it was started to kind of bridge that partisan divide. And so it helped start the Problem Solvers Caucus, which we were talking about during the break, which is a group of half Democrats, half Republicans, they serve in Congress, and they meet every single week uh, to talk about our nation's problems, and they get in the room, and they, you know, uh, they try to solve the problems. Uh, it's a group that I was a member of when I served, and it's how I got two of my bills through a divided Congress and signed in law by President Trump, because as we see nowadays, like the, with the majority so thin, like the House and the Senate, they're going to continue flipping like pancakes mm -hmm. for the foreseeable future. So the only way my opinion, to get things done is through that bipartisan fashion. So no labels start, help start the Problem Solvers Caucus, create a separate arm over in the Senate, you know, again, basically creating that space where they could talk. About a year and a half ago, no labels started looking at the presidential election, and they started doing some polling, some modeling, and they're asking the question, this is over a year and a half ago, what happens if it's a Trump-Biden rematch? Mm -hmm. And everybody thought we were crazy. Oh, it's not never going to happen. You know, uh, Biden's not going to run for re-election. Trump will never win the nomination. Lo and behold, here we are. Mm -hmm. And we're in an environment where two-thirds of America does not want to see this rematch. And so the question becomes, who's speaking for them? And so No Labels has been securing the ballot access for a unity ticket, bipartisan ticket, whether it be Republican, Democrat, Democrat, Independent, Republican, whatever. Um, Wait, let me just interject one quick question. Yeah. Uh, can you secure ballot access before your candidates are named? Do you get you secure yeah. it as a party? In, in a number of states. And so we're on the ballot in Colorado. And, yeah. and this ballot initiative is like, you can see why most people don't stand up and do it every four years. Because it's incredibly time-consuming, complex, expensive. Yeah. But we spend a lot of time, effort, and resources to get on the ballot. In, uh, and we have a strategy to get on the ballot in 50 states plus D.C. But to answer your question... We're on about 12 so far. Mm -hmm. You may be like, well, Joe, that's, you know, you got ways to go. Mm -hmm. The truth is no labels will secure the ballot access and, you know, a majority of the states, but there's still a number of states 
large number. They don't even allow you to begin this process until 2024. And there's a number of states that don't allow us to get on the ballot. They'll require a candidate to do it. Okay, so when you guys decide that you're going to run your ticket uh, of Joe Manchin and Larry Hogan, because that's who it's going to be. Um, <laughs> is, that, so, is that your endorsement today? Is that, that ticket? So uh, I... You you could potentially talk me into Larry Hogan uh, with the top of the ticket. I, I will as as much as as much as Joe Manchin is good for a Democrat. I would never vote for a ticket with uh, a Democrat or former Democrat at the top of the ticket because I don't just I don't trust him. And I'm not a social issues conservative, but look what Joe Manchin just did, like just shiving us in the back with the with the um, inflation adjust uh, whatever it's called. Um, Inflation Reduction Act, IRA. Sorry, but I'm just, I'm pissed about that. And I, I like, I think there's never been a better time for a third party to have a chance because our two major parties suck and they are so dysfunctional and they're so, they're both so nuts. The MAGA wing of the Republican Party and the Hamas caucus and the progressive stuff in the Democratic Party. I, I am politically homeless and I am the person you are targeting. Um, so, Give me Larry Hogan and we'll talk about it. Joe Manchin, not that interested. But let's just stick with the conceptual level. A lot of people think about not just no labels, but the, a group like no labels. I'm sure you hear this all the time, and I want to know your answer. They will say, the only thing you could possibly do is be a spoiler and hand the election to so-and-so. What's the answer to that? Uh, the short answer is, like, the, the whole spoiler thing um it makes the assumption that things are going great so far. And, and it's, 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 most people are not satisfied with what they see in Washington, D.C. right now. And the idea of a spoiler candidate is a fringe candidate who takes one to two, three, four percent of the vote, right? And we think about spoilers, we think about Ralph Nader, we mm-hmm. think about, um, um, Jill Stein, we think about these people who pull disproportionately yeah. from one side. Yeah. This ticket, all our data and polling shows that pulls evenly. From both sides. Uh, but what, that's what a bipartisan ticket pulls. Mm-hmm. You, know, you look at Robert Kennedy's polling right now. Yeah. And, 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 you know, you can make arguments why he's polling in the 20s. Um, I'd say a reason for that is Americans are desperate for another option than Trump Biden, right? Um, and once we put a, uh, a ticket together, it'll be marquee level. Um, it will not be a spoiler. It will actually be a competitor. And we, we're on the record saying, hey, look, if we launch this, and it doesn't capture the imagination of the American people, uh, we're happy to take it down. Like, we don't want to throw the election one way or another. We don't want to throw it to the House of Representatives. Mm-hmm. We would only be getting in it, and we've said this. This is a guardrail. We're only getting in this election to win it. Nothing else. Interesting. We're, we're talking with Joe Cunningham, National Director of No Labels. Their website, if you want to learn more, nolabels.org. It seems to me... And, and you can tell I've paid like some attention, um, but not in it every day and not thinking about no labels every day the way you are. Uh, a lot of folks on the left seem more concerned about your presence than folks on the right do. So folks on the left think you're more likely to take votes from them. And, and again, it's still kind of the spoiler conversation. Do just in general, do you? Do you really believe polling that suggests that no labels would take equally from whoever the Democrat is and whoever the Republican is? I think if we're all being intellectually honest with each other, uh, the exact effect a ticket like this will have directly depends on the names attached to it. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, yeah. we, 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 this is a concept we have. About, you can't poll until you have names. Right. Um, it seems to me, Ross, that if you put a Republican at the top, it would probably draw more Republicans. 
Or if you put a Democrat on top of a ticket, it might draw more Democrats. Um, you know, I, I think we see some um, uh, excitement, let's call it, uh, from the left about this concept because, you know, you have a an incumbent president uh, and everybody's galvanized, well, for the most part, you know, their support around the incumbent. Uh, and the Republican primary is still kind of playing out. Mm-hmm. I, I would expect it, you know, the heat will come eventually from both sides. But, hey, look, I, I, you know, I'm a lifelong Democrat from the South. Um, I got into this, and I was probably I was probably the first Democrat in the country to say that Biden shouldn't run for re-election. And I came out, announced my position within no labels by underlining the fact that I don't think Biden will be in a position to beat Trump in in 2024. Um, and you know, I think this bipartisan ticket is the only way forward for our country. I'm looking at um, commonsensemajority.org. So that's you guys, right? Uh, policy positions, right? The, the common sense booklet, right? The common sense, and there's some very and so let, let's move away for a minute from the nuts and bolts of electoral politics and actually talk about ideas. What a strange concept, right? So you start off talking about the problems, uh, the politics of problem solving. I think you've talked about that uh, a little bit already. Let's talk about uh, federal budget and spending and debt and deficit. And I and I realize some of the nuances of this would be tailored to whoever your eventual candidates are, assuming you guys go ahead at the presidential level. But how should we think about no labels position on federal spending? Well, what we put in there is uh, that we want to get to the point where we're we're taking less out of our budget to pay the interest. And, you know, as a father of a five-year-old and now a six-week-old, like, somebody's Congratulations. Thanks. I appreciate it. I'll pass that along to my, my yeah. wife. Uh, she, did, she did all the work there. <laughs> Um, you did the hard part. Come on. Yeah. I, I mean, look, Ross, like, like at some point or another, somebody's got to pick up the tab. And, and not only is it like right now, it's robbing us from resources we could be sending to other areas. Right. Um, so most Americans agree that that we need to be spending less money. Um, and, you know, there's a variety of factors. Acknowledging that, that the problem exists right now is the first step uh, because there's a lot of people who don't even address our budget and deficit and our, our, our debt as an issue. We're putting it, uh, uh, you know, forward facing, uh, you know, obviously there's a number of ways to, to get out of it, whether it be, you know, increasing revenue or decreasing spending and then growing out of it as well. These, and I will say that this, this booklet, common sense, it's 30 different policy ideas. These are poll tested. This isn't like a think tank that we put people in a room and said, here's what we think. This is a reflection of where the American public is. And, and if you were to say like, What's the average American look like? You know, I'm in South Carolina. Mm-hmm. I would say they're probably fiscally conservative and somewhat socially progressive. Um, average. Person. Well, maybe in your district, but a lot of South Carolina is not socially progressive. Well, I guess it depends how you define socially progressive. I mean, in Charleston, yeah. you'll get more of that than you will, you know, some other parts yeah, of the state. Yeah, Charleston's a more progressive part. Yeah. But I think, you know, even across the country, I think that most people would describe themselves, I'm fiscally conservative, but I'm somewhat socially progressive. Um and, and again, you know, I say socially, obviously yeah. the women's reproductive health that you see that playing out in elections now. Right. Um, and I mean, that, I think a lot of the country is essentially libertarian, lowercase l libertarian, which is what you said, right? Fiscally conservative, socially moderate, mostly like leave me the hell alone. Right. I, I'm an adult. And, and, you know, Democrats want to treat me like my mom and tuck me into bed at night. And Republicans want to treat me like my dad, and tell me what's right and wrong and spank me. And I'm a freaking adult. Just leave me alone. Um, and 
That's where I think a lot of Americans are. But just sticking with what you said a moment ago, I mean, you talked about potentially raising revenue, potentially cutting spending. Is there any appetite in America for, quote unquote, raising revenue, you know, raising taxes? Isn't don't we really just need to to uh, cut back on the explosion of the welfare state? Well, you talk, and I was with Trey Gowdy in um, Alabama uh, last week talking about, and you probably understand the difference, you know, between discretionary spending, non-discretionary, mm-hmm. and the fact that, you know, a lot of people will say, well, we need to cut money we send to X country, and knowing that most of our spending comes from this non-discretionary spending. Um, you know, we have some tight timelines as to when we need to get this problem under control. Yeah. And you have a, a good number of Americans who are, aren't even acknowledging that the problem exists. You know, and, you know, some people talk about a balanced budget amendment. It, the problem is you, if you do this, turn this, if you turn this around one year, Ross, you, you're going to have people hit very, very hard. So the idea is, you know, and we have in here create a committee that studies this, that provides recommendations, nonpartisan, and also have some teeth to it uh, so that, number one, we can start talking about it and putting solutions down on paper, but also implementing this in a, at least in a long-term fashion. We're talking with Joe Cunningham. Uh, used to be in Congress representing South Carolina's first congressional district. You got a, uh, a pardon or a commutation of your sentence. So you got, you got out of Congress and you don't have to suffer through, through that brain damage anymore. Uh, by the way, you, as you were a Democrat. So if you were in Congress right now, you'd be in the minority. And I don't know of a worse job than being a minority member, especially a young minority member of the House of Representatives. That's one of the worst jobs in America, unless all you care about is the little pin that that Thomas Massey calls my precious. In uh, is the, 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 you can spend a lot of time in the gym, yeah, the house gym, yeah. working out. Yeah, you, know, you look and, like uh, you're in pretty good shape. No, so no. clearly you did. <laughs> But, but, you know, when I was there, we were in the majority. And, um, yeah, I mean, when you're in the minority, you can just criticize and criticize. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's an interesting time to be. I talked to my friends who are up there, and a lot of them were looking for a way out. Uh, yeah. Because just how how toxic it's become. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it was interesting that you mentioned Trey Gowdy. I was going to ask you if you know him. I had him on the show when his book came out, and I emailed with him from time to time. And, you know, he's one of the sensible Good guys. I mean, I'm sure he's he's to my right, near to my left, but I just want good government, and we don't have much of that. Yeah. Um, we have just a couple minutes left, and you mentioned before we went on the air that you guys, uh, no labels, might play in a congressional race here in Colorado. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, no, no labels has um, has been um, sporting uh, Adam Frisch, who's challenging Lauren Boebert. And again, you know, we, typically, you know, we're we're focused on this unity ticket. We're focused on the presidential election. Mm-hmm. Should be enough, right? Yeah. Um, but you know, a lot of our, you know, what no what labels does is support uh the incumbents too, the members of the problem solvers caucus, because they they are always look, you look at four hundred and thirty five congressional seats, how many are actually in play in a given cycle? Maybe a couple dozen, maybe thirty or so because of gerrymandering, whatnot. Um, and it's consistently those people who strive uh for bipartisanship, whether it be because it's what they believe in or mm-hmm. they think it's good politics, whatnot. So they're always on the chopping block. Um, and so uh, those leaders within that caucus who put themselves out there, and I can tell you from per- firsthand experience as a Democrat, the first vote that I took in Congress was against Nancy Pelosi for speaker. Uh, didn't really gain me a lot of friends. Mm-hmm. But those votes, when you push back against your own party, whether you're a Democrat or Republican, uh, come with a lot of consequences. And that's why you don't see it as much. Yeah. 
And, and also, for a lot of uh, young guys and gals in Congress, they're afraid that voting against leadership will mean they won't get on the committee they want. Commi- and, yeah. and, and so that's, that's Commit- another... Committee, they could withhold bills being brought to the House for, they could, uh, you know, threaten uh, fundraising, like all these things. So would you stick with an endorsement of Adam Frisch if Lauren Boebert lost her primary and a different Republican was in that race? Oh, I mean, you know, we've been helping Adam Fresh. I don't understand why that would uh, okay, change. Okay, so you don't think that would make a difference. Yeah. Um, all right, let me just, we're, we're about out of time here. I want to go back and um, revise and extend my remarks. Uh, I, I probably sh- shouldn't be so glib to say that under no circumstances would I vote for Joe Manchin. Um, as, as Democrats go, look, I, I've never voted for a Democrat for president, and, and I probably wouldn't start with him, but... I'm definitely not voting for Joe Biden, and I'm definitely not voting for Donald Trump. I normally vote libertarian. So it's possible that you guys could show me something that would interest me. I, I would rather see a former Republican at the top of the ticket than a former Democrat. But as, as Democrats go, Joe Manchin is probably about as good as it's going to get for me. So I, I, I shouldn't be so glib to say that I, there's no way I would vote for him. He would have to tell me a lot to overcome the damage that he did in, you know, to me uh, by voting for the IRA. But I, I would listen. I would listen. I'll give you the last 30 seconds or 31 seconds because I like prime numbers to, to wrap up. <laughs> well, again, I think, you know, most people feel the same as you in, in our country, that they want another choice. And, um, you know, you look at what happened with Ross Perot back in 1992. You got 19% yeah. of the vote. And, and here's something I'll tell but you. But no electoral votes. It, but, and here's something I'll tell your listeners, and you probably know this, is that in nearly every single state, with the exception of two states, all electoral votes go to whatever candidate wins the plurality. Meaning people, your listeners may think, oh, an independent ticket will never get over 50%. Mm-hmm. Well, we don't have to. Mm-hmm. You know, in a competitive three-way race, we can win with as little as 34%. Right. You sprinkle in a Cornell West or a Robert Kennedy, all of a sudden you win with 30-something percent. Yeah. So we have a solid chance. Our polling data shows that's there. And again, I don't think there's ever been a more opportune time in our lifetime right? Uh, where you've had such dissatisfaction. You have half Americans identifying it as independents right now. And again, like the, the, most people feel, just like you mentioned earlier, that the two parties don't speak to them. And so the question becomes... In our, in our democracy, in the United States of America, who's speaking for that majority? And no labels is filling that void. Nebraska and Maine, correct? The states that split their electoral votes. I think you're right. I think it's Nebraska yeah. and Maine. Um, Joe, it's been a pleasure talking to you, and we'll, we'll see what you guys do at No Labels. Um, Joe Cunningham, former congressman, is national director of No Labels, nolabels.org, to, to learn more. Thanks for being here. Really interesting conversation. And I, I think a lot of people wish they had better choices, so maybe you guys will bring one. Appreciate you having me on. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.